we had a lot of snow. We could see that this huge snow system was coming into Pennsylvania. My client out in Michigan, who they have this big event booked around me, said, well, could you come out early? The idea of like being a working mom of four kids who could like suddenly go 24 hours earlier to an event overnight, even though my husband was also out of town, I could do it. I could just say yes. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Happy holidays, everyone. That was time management expert and prolific writer, Laura Vanderkam. Her latest book is Off the Clock. We're going to talk about that. Hopefully, you guys have some time off from work. If you're like me, maybe you're doing a little soul-searching self-assessment on how you spend your time. It may not be easy, but in theory, we can always make more money, but that's definitely not the case with time. So how can we take control of how we spend our time in 2019. I've been thinking a lot about this, which is why I wanted to bring back this fantastic episode with the queen of managing our time, and that is Laura Vanderkam. I learned so much from her. I know if you haven't listened to this episode, you're going to love it. If you've listened, maybe enjoy it again. Interesting fact, I came on time for the taping of this interview. I was very prepared, and I was also ready to be super efficient and respectful with Laura Vanderkam's time, But actually, in the spirit of her book, Off the Clock, she wasn't in a hurry at all. And in fact, she seemed to have all the time in the world. So how does she do it? Listen to the interview and then make the time to read her book, Time Well Spent, and it will pay for itself. Here is Off the Clock author, Laura Vanderkam. Laura Vanderkam, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your latest book. It's called Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done. I can't wait to see what your next book's going to be. Maybe I'll get a teaser out of you. What, What are you working on? Actually, my next book will be out in March of 2019, and it's a time management fable. It's called Juliet's School of Possibilities. So yeah, there you go. I love that. The the commercial for the next one. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But in the meantime, once we finish all of your books, we also can listen to your podcast, Best of Both Worlds, which is with Sarah Hart Unger. And that's also one of my new obsessions. Yeah, we really do believe that work and family can work together, that people can succeed at both and love both. And and so that's what the podcast covers. And one thing that you guys discuss a lot beyond just time management, but time management as pertains to kids and getting work done. And that brings us to your money story. Like many parents, it has taken me a long time to sort of figure out what the right childcare setup truly is. And being kind of a frugal person, I didn't want to spend all that much. So it was always like trying to get by on less than I probably needed for me and my husband. And, you know, he travels and and works long hours. And I was certainly starting to as, as my speaking career was starting to grow. And so, you know, it was figuring out, well, what kind of childcare do I need? And I'd always been sort of like, okay, normal work hours, maybe eight to five. I mean, I work from home. Certainly I should be able to do that. 
But the problem is we need like overnight coverage and we wouldn't have it because people would have other plans because they were leaving at five. They'd have other things they were doing in the evening or, you know, it was just difficult to, to make it work. So when we were hiring a new nanny about two years ago, we decided that, well, you know, we truly do need more hours. Let's go ahead and make the investment in doing it. And so we hired somebody whose initial schedule was to work eight to eight Monday through Thursday. And the upside of doing eight to eight, it's still only 48 hours, right? So it's not excessive. So were you cutting out Fridays? Well, we had at at the time, there was another person working on Fridays for part time. You know, that was the idea. It's like, you're going to have 60 hours of care, you know, split it among two people because (laughs) you don't burn one person. Well, then you also have a backup, right? You have a backup, right? Yeah. So you have a one full-time, one part-time. So the upside is having the evenings I could go to networking events, like even if my husband was working late or if I needed to be somewhere, I wasn't racing back and apologizing for being late. Like that we had the evening coverage, you know, we had an extra driver for school stuff. For activities. Because you have four kids, by the way. Because I have four small children. But the real upside has turned out to be that when you hire someone to work eight to eight, they tend not to book stuff in the evening. So then arranging for them to stay overnight. And we also hired somebody who was willing to do that. It was basically like, pay me overtime, I'll do it. Meant that it wasn't always this scrambling thing because it was relatively easy to just get that extra hours in there. And so, yes, it's expensive to have a lot of childcare and to have the availability of overnight coverage, you know, paying overtime for that. But, you know, it, I've really seen moments where it paid off. This spring, for instance, I was traveling a lot. I mean, I was giving one or two speeches a week that required travel. We had a lot of snow. One day in early March, we could see that this huge snow system was coming into Pennsylvania. My client out in Michigan, who, you know, they have this big event booked around me, uh, I said, well, could you come out early? You know, the idea of like being a working mom of four kids who could like suddenly go 24 hours earlier to an event overnight, even though my husband was also out of town, I could do it. Like I could just say yes. And that's what it has been enabling me to get like bigger ticket speaking jobs, ones that are paying more than I certainly would have imagined I could have gotten five, six years ago. And I think it's because I feel like I know I can say yes. But, you know, it's really an investment in your earning potential. And if you are always trying to get by on less childcare than you need, then you won't say yes to the extra stuff. You won't go to that networking opportunity. You won't go to that conference. You won't maybe stay late that one night when you know your boss is going to see it and really remember it because you're trying to race out. And over the long term, those things really do add up. So I really like to think of childcare more as an investment than an expense. And if you can get your head around that idea, I think you'll really start feeling like a financial grown up. So what is the lesson for our listeners? How can they apply it to their lives? Well, so I think take an honest assessment of what amount of childcare you have. And if possibly increasing that by a little bit would make your life a lot easier, less stressful, or enable you to pursue professional opportunities that you haven't so far. So it could be maybe an investment in life satisfaction. Maybe you pay the person for an extra half hour after you get home. So you don't immediately have to race into like serving everyone, making dinner while you also have kids, you know, jumping on you because they haven't seen you all day. Maybe that person could start dinner while you deal with the kids, right? And have some time with them. 
Or maybe it's just that, you know, occasionally you'd like to get stuff done a little bit later instead of racing out to make a 5 p.m. daycare pickup. Maybe you can arrange for an evening sitter just like one day a week, right? And that person covers maybe five to eight and you can get stuff done when the office is quiet or people see you be there late or you go to networking events and, you know, then you've made this investment and, and it will probably pay off over time. And I love that you point out those intangible things like going to a networking event, because sometimes people view that as social, but it's social, but it's really also an investment in your career to be out there with your peers. I know Serena Williams recently missed a big milestone because she was training and it can happen to any mom, no matter what. So you can't let those hold you back from doing things that might benefit your career. So I think this idea of like rearranging your whole life to not miss anything it's never going to happen. And if you have more than one kid, you'll miss some stuff because you're at the other kid's stuff. And, you know, people people adjust. They grow up. They learn that the universe does not revolve around them. It's all good. Exactly. Yeah, you know, so it's worth doing a little bit extra sometimes. Yes. And there are other ways to bond with people outside of your family, bond with people regarding work and your professional endeavors. And that brings us to your everyday money tip, which is just genius. And I got to experience myself. Yeah, well, this doesn't seem like a money tip, but it's in line with the idea of networking and building your network and getting to know people and establishing these relationships, which is send handwritten notes. This doesn't seem like a money tip, like I said, but I can tell you that people are far more inclined to like you when it seems that you have bothered to establish, like put a little effort into establishing a connection with them. It's also memorable because most people don't do it. So when I sent you my book, I included a handwritten note thanking you for your interest in it and for being willing to take your valuable time to read it. I had a thing going on my website that I was asking people to pre-order off the clock. And what people did and gave me their mailing address so I could send them a signed book plate that they could stick in the cover when it showed up, you know, from whatever online retailer that they pre-ordered it through. I, you know, I'm mailing them anyway. Why not send them a handwritten note? So I sent a handwritten thank you note to everybody who pre-ordered and gave me their address. And this is, you know, a lot. But you um, made the time because it was important to you. Because it was important. So I kept reminding myself as I was doing it, my hand was cramping up. I'm like, you should be so grateful that these people are willing to spend money on a product of yours sight unseen. Those are your big fans. You want to connect with them. And I do want to connect with them. I just want to take another minute to talk a little bit about Off the Clock. As we mentioned, I did read it on vacation. It was great. You talk about people expand time. That was one of my favorite themes in the book. Tell us more about that theory and how people can apply it to their lives, because that, to me, was the most important takeaway from this book. Yeah. So for Off the Clock, I had 900 people with full-time jobs and families track their time for a day. And then I asked them questions about how they felt about their time. So I could give people scores based on their time perception. Like, did they have high time perception scores? They felt time was abundant um, or low time perception scores. They felt time was scarce, stressful, all that stuff. Compare the schedules of people who felt like they had a lot of time, people who felt like they had no time. People who felt like they had the most time also spent the most time actively engaged with family and friends. So they spent the leisure time that they did have nurturing their relationships, whereas people who had the lowest time perception scores tended to spend their time watching TV or on social media. You know, it's not that one group had more leisure time than the other. Everyone was busy. Everyone had full-time jobs, families. But people choose to spend the time that they do have discretionary choices over in different ways. And apparently spending time with family and friends makes us feel very off the clock. 
Well said. And that's, by the way, we didn't mention your TED Talk, which is amazing. One of the things that you point out in your TED Talk is that instead of just fast forwarding through commercials to save time when watching TV, you could just watch less TV. So it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> the problem of writing about time management, I've seen all these articles over the years of like how to find, you know, an extra hour in the day by shaving bits of time off everyday activities and stuff like, yeah, TiVo or, you know, forward through the commercials, save eight minutes every half hour, over two hours of watching TV, you find 32 minutes to exercise. Like, come on, you're watching TV for two hours, you already had 32 minutes to exercise. <laughs> let's not, let's not fool ourselves. All right, you called us all out. Tell us where people can find out more about you and all of your different ventures, podcasts, TED Talk, books, newsletter, all of it. Yeah, come visit my website, lauravandercam.com. That's just my name. You can learn more about my books, including Off the Clock and the podcast Best of Both Worlds. Would love to have some of your listeners take some of the extra commutes that they're not listening to your wonderful podcast on and come, come give it a listen. I love it. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for having me. Hey friends, there were so many great takeaways from that and from the book Off the Clock. I'm gonna give you a couple more here. And of course you can check out the book and get even more. Financial grown-up tip number one, money can solve productivity problems. One of my favorite examples in the book is when Laura talks about Harry Potter author, J.K. Rowling. She was writing her seventh book, Deathly Hallows. So by this point, she had financial resources to say the least. But she couldn't get any work done in her house because the window cleaner was there and the kids were home and the dogs were barking. And then J.K. Rowling says in the story, a light bulb went on. I can throw money at this problem. And you know what? She decamped to a hotel to finish the draft and it worked because she was able to focus. Money solved the problem. Now, not all of us think that we have the budget to do that. I've never done that. And to me, it does seem extreme on the surface. However, because of the new resources that we have, and I'm going to give you some ideas and apps that we have access to now, there are very reasonable hotel rooms available at the last minute in our own cities. And that is something we could potentially look into when we just need to get to a place where we can focus on getting our work done, especially when we're coming up against a big deadline. So some app examples are Hotel Tonight, One Night, and Hotel Quickly. And you can find very cheap deals in your city very often using apps like these. I'll put the links in the show notes. If you don't have a budget, maybe you have a friend with a spare bedroom. Tell them what you're up to so they don't expect you to be social, but maybe you can use that. And if it's just a few hours that you need, of course you can go to a coffee shop. That's always available as a resource for many people. But another option sometimes is to just go to your local library and just hunker down in a quiet area there and get some work done. Financial grown-up tip number two, be a pessimist when deciding when to leave for important meetings or trips. Vanderkam discovered that people who are late, even though I think it's often inconsiderate or poor planning, really what it is, is they're optimists. They always remember the best scenario of getting to a place. So if they're planning a trip that involves going to the airport, they might remember that it only took 15 minutes to get to the airport. But of course, what they don't remember is that that was at you know, 5 a.m. on a Sunday when no one else was going. Maybe this time they're going at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning and they don't factor in that it's going to take a lot longer. So because they're not planning according to the worst case scenario, things go awry. So plan according to the worst case scenario. And you know what? Maybe you'll get there early and you'll have extra time and you can do something fun with that time. 
Big thanks to you for gifting this time to yourself to hopefully improve your life just a little. Thanks to the wonderful advice and wisdom from Laura Vanderkam. Please be in touch. Follow me on Twitter at Bobby Rebel, on Instagram at Bobby Rebel One, and on Facebook at Bobby Rebel. And DM me with your thoughts on the podcast. Laura Vanderkam is living a very financially grown up life. I got so much value from taking the time to read Off the Clock, and I know you will too. So thank you, Laura, for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.